Noah's Natter is a place for casual Christian conversations about topics ranging from basic theology to practical Christian living, all based on basic Bible principles. A new podcast will be available each Friday. We hope you enjoy and are engaged by the conversation. Today, we listen to the conclusion of the conversation, Is God Love? Now we turn to our hosts, Brent Allen and Anthony Tropp, for this week's conversation. Through regeneration. Okay. Maybe for more uh, general purposes, Explain what you meant when you just used that word regeneration, because it's kind of a new term. We haven't brought that in. Right. Give us maybe some other words that people may have heard. Maybe they don't understand regeneration. Very much a church word, very much a theological is, yes. word. What and, is a, maybe a more vernacular uh, phrase or a word that you would could put in there maybe that somebody would grab hold of? Uh, to to exhibit God's love is is not in the way that we think again. So I think regeneration... Or becoming a new man. I know people have heard say that. You know, um, um, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, all things have been passed away. That's what I mean by regeneration. That means that uh, the very um, the very person that I was before salvation is totally opposite of who I am now because of salvation. Okay, I've embodied the essence of God. All right, let me. I'm trying to pull teeth out of you here. Uh, let me ask it this way: not that you didn't answer it, but, but I, I'm, I'm digging here, so I'll, yeah, I'll, sure. I'll get I'll get it out of you here in a second. <laughs> I've got a sharp shovel here. Uh, let's just break down that word regeneration, okay? Right. Re means for something to happen again or to reoccur. Okay. Right. So we could say again. Or happen again, or whatever. Happen again. In other words, generation means to bring to life, or right. to bring to a beginning. Yes. So we might say, bring a beginning again. Uh, what are words that we're very familiar with that may relate that even more plainly than regeneration? How about being born again? Born again, yes. Being saved. saved. And this carries us right back to John 3, doesn't it? You know, <laughs> yeah, it does. That, that's kind of where I was going. Yeah. I was trying to dig a hole back. You know, they say if you dig a hole through the earth, you end up back where you <laughs> were or something were, like that yeah. or in China or something. But who wants to go to China these days and catch not, another virus? But Not me. <laughs> but I was kind of doing my, my digging there, trying yeah. to come back to where we were because wasn't, that's exactly what Jesus told Nicodemus, wasn't it? That he needed to be regenerated. He right. could have used that word and it would have been the same. But he said, you must be born again i.e. you must be regenerated and the result of that is what you so adequately explained a while ago is we become a different person with that rebirthing than we were prior to it right yes we became uh, i believe the word you used was a new man yes we just didn't turn over a new leaf we didn't just turn over to a new attitude no we turned over the whole being right right from the inside out not from the outside to the inside is that fair yeah i i would think that's one of the things that we kind of get wrong in understanding that is you know uh, it's not salvation or being born again or regenerated however you want to say it is not being not just taking on a new leaf and not just well i'm not doing the things that i used to do anymore 
but you're embodying a totally different mindset. Right. That begins totally anew. Um, you know, um, it, it's Paul talked about it a little bit about you know crucifying the old nature and beginning, you know, in that new man. Um, but that's that's what it is. So the things that you uh, used to deem important in your life don't even that you don't even resound those as important anymore. You know. Right. Right. Uh, and what and what makes that change possible is the love that comes to us at the point that we confess our sins, as, as Paul tells us in Romans chapter 10 so well. Right. He, he kind of breaks down that process of being reborn into real simple terms. And that's why I like Romans 10 when you're trying to talk to somebody about this very subject. It's, sure. he, he makes it so plain. He does. You know, and uh, sometimes Christians and preachers, you know, ministry people can make things that God intended to be simple. We tend to kind of make them a little more complex, I think, than he intended. But be that be that may, Paul puts it in a real simple way. He says, you know, uh, when it comes down to verse 13, says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, You'll be saved, shall be saved. Mm -hmm. But if you go back up above that, before he gets to kind of that, that's really a summary. Right, yes. And he's broken it down in the previous verses there. He said, if a person, and I'm going to just put this in plain English, I believe he talks about you've got to believe with your heart and confess with your mouth. I mean, that's really the two prerequisites, right? Yes. And there's some very particular things that we need to believe and this is that trusting in the love that God has provided through Jesus that we've been talking about, right. that belief. And belief really in the context of of, of, uh, of being saved or being reborn is, uh, there's a word sometimes we don't connect a lot to salvation, but I think it's a good one. It's the word surrender. Yes. Because what we're doing, we're surrendering to a truth Yes. The truth that God loves us. Yeah. And the exactly. truth that because God loves us, He's given us Jesus who died on the cross for our wrongdoing. We surrender to that truth. It's God's truth right. of His love. And when we believe that, we understood what was going on when Jesus died was that Paul tells us in his in his writing to Romans that the wages, the payment of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I believe that's in the sixth chapter in verse yes. twenty-three. Yes. So we understand there's another truth that we surrender to that fact. Then uh, we confess it with we believe that in our heart. We say with our heart, but we believe it in our our subconscious, what we would call it in modern term. Right. But then we confess it. We verbalize it. We just let that truth that we've surrendered to become a reality in the ears of those listening in our own physical ears. Yes. And we say, yes, I know I'm a sinner, and I, I deserve to die in those sins and not be with God but go to hell. And right. That's another subject for another day. But, yes. but we surrender to the truth. I don't have to pay for my sins because Jesus has already paid for my sins when he was, at, he was showing me how much God loved me, right? Right, Romans 5, 8. Romans 5, 8, God demonstrated His love toward me. That even in the midst of me being a sinner, Christ died for me. Yeah, right? and there's nothing that I could do, nothing that I could merit to make that right. Yeah. that's Jesus is the only way. You ain't good enough. You ain't smart enough. No. Yeah, you, there's not a list long enough. You can't enough do enough good things. 
to get God to love you. To get God to love you. Or to make you reborn spiritually, yeah. like we're talking about. But He does love you, and He wants you to be reborn. And so He made it easier on easy on us. Exactly. Because Jesus did He did the load lifting literally and spiritually, right? Yes. And so He died, and when we surrender that truth, we confess that because we've believed it. We've that means to rely, depend, or to trust, right? Yes. On that. Then Jesus said, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that He is Savior and Lord, whatever, but that that you what you're confessing and believing is that God's love expressed in Christ is the answer to my problem, right? Exactly. You yes. are saved. Amen. And when you've done that, you've done what the 13th verse that we began that little part of the conversation with, you've just called upon the name of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And when we do that, we're saved and kind of go back to the whole what sets that that ball rolling is that we will have had that that person or me whoever it may be we we had to be exposed to the truth from the gospel right that showed us we were sinners and the holy spirit is the one who who initiates that whole thing yes by coming to us after hearing the truth saying hey you need the love of god yes and you've heard what the Word says, the Bible says, about how you need to respond to that love. And so confess, believe, and there's a good old word for all that together. It's called repent, right? That's right. And it's not turning a corner, but it's no. turning away, going the opposite way. Exactly. And, and the way we go to is to that love that God has for us. And That's right. what... Man, that's some kind of love, isn't it? It is. That's. I mean, what a what a uh, what a great picture to know that you know, and to know God's love. I mean, to know to know God is to know love, and to know His kind of love. Man, how can you not want to share that with somebody? Okay, so that brings us to the final question of this little segment here. Yeah. How do I do that? How, how do I? How do I? Sh- the word "share" is the word you just used, right? Mm-hmm. How do I share? How do I show God's love to other people? Now, I know the most easy. I'm gonna I'm gonna take an easy answer away from you off the table, okay? So don't don't hold it against me. It's okay. I know that we can just say it, okay? Yeah. But to me, or at least in my mind, there's a difference between to say, or if you will, tell somebody about the love of God, and then to show them. Right. So let's stick with the word show. Okay. Sure. How do I show my love that God has given me, that I've received, I've surrendered to, accepted, been reborn, all that we just talked about? How do I literally, visually, we can obviously verbally show it, but how do I show that to someone? One word comes to my mind, and that is sacrifice. That's a good word. And I, I'll, I'll go back to a couple of passages of Scripture that we've already talked about. Uh, number one, Romans Romans five eight again, God demonstrated His love for us that while we were helpless, that's good. Helpless is a good word. While we were while we had no hope, He still loved us because that's His essence. And if we are Christians, if we have been regenerated into that new man, then we've embodied that essence to where we. Um, we love people just because they're people. And it's without any kind of uh, contractual agreement. 
So, uh, and that's what God did for us was he, he, he gave Jesus as a sacrifice because of his love for us. Um, so I think the way that we show others that love is through sacrifice. Number one, we sacrifice our own desires, our own, um, our own wants, our own needs. Uh, you can go, you can go and look in, um, Acts chapter 2, I love those passages of Scripture about the early church, Acts mm-hmm. two forty two. Uh, that, to me, is a true definition of what sacrificial love was. Right. It was the fact that they were giving away all their possessions. Right. They were, uh, need, they were giving to those in need. You know, and I don't think that they were giving to those in need, just those who were uh, part of their household or their churches. I think they were given uh, to the community. To the community, right? Yeah, Romans one talks about um, uh, Romans one, Romans chapter one, uh, verse five, where Paul, you know, commended them, commended the Romans for their faith. He said that the, I, your faith is being known throughout the world. Mm-hmm. Well, we're fixing to get into into faith in another, you know, another segment, but that faith was working through through their love showing right. to one another. Right. I mean, and it was, uh, some of it for some, they were sacrificing their own lives for others. They were sacrificing their possessions, you know, for, um, they may have been sacrificing their own freedoms for that fact. Um, I like the word sacrifice. Cause when you said that, I, my mind, you know, Sometimes I hear key words and, 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 and stories of the Bible or key passages in the Bible flash through my mind. Like flashcards. You remember when we used to do flashcards when we were yeah. in school yeah. with math? I hated those things because I never could think. <laughs> I, could, I could be quick-witted enough to insult somebody when I was in school, but not quick enough to know the answer Fast on the flashcards. Yeah. Right, you know, so anyway. <laughs> but it, uh, my mind went to Philippians chapter 2 yes. when you use that word sacrifice because Paul there uh, that's kind of the undertone of what he's saying, especially in the first 11 verses of, of chapter 2. The first four verses, he's talking about that idea of sacrifice among the believers in that church at Philippi, where he says, hey, you need to kind of set your needs aside and look towards the the well-being and the needs of others. Put that ahead of others. Right. And then he says, He's then he kind of breaks up the first four verses from verses six to eleven with that famous fifth verse where he says, "Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus." And what Paul does, having given them a, a command, really, which comes in verses two and three, is he says, "Okay, if I'm going to tell you to do something, he says I'm going to illustrate it." And of course, he gives the ultimate illustration of the word sacrifice, which is the embodiment of God's love when he goes into great detail about what Jesus himself did in leaving heaven and coming down here, humbling himself as a servant and then sacrificed himself on the cross. And so I I don't know why that, when I hear that word sacrifice, I can first go to the gospels, obviously, and I think about, you know, the cross and the grave and all that. But then that's always like right on the heels of that, you know, because it's, you know, Mm -hmm. it's kind of a, real good synopsis of that and of course he deals with all the way to the jesus being raised and even into the future in those verses right there but that sacrifice that 
you talk about we are to do that to the community. And Paul said, yes, but, the, but before you get to the community, it begins on the inside and works its way outside, which is exactly Amen. what happened in Acts chapter 2. Yes. They started it, and then as you as you just talked about, it worked, it's kind of like concentric circles. It worked its way out. You know, when Jesus told the apostles, the, the early church, to go to Jerusalem and wait, you know, he said, and you'll be witnesses unto me. And he kind of laid out that very familiar concentric circle plan of how he intended the gospel to be spread, starting in the, the you know, the bullseye of the target and radiating from the center. And it's really that way with every Christian principle when you think about it, right? right. Especially with this love and the sacrifice. Yeah. And it begins with, you know, us within the church locally. And right. then, like you so adequately put out there about Acts chapter 2, they were definitely one of the best examples that we have of that practically, right? Yeah, I think and, so. And, and they, you know, by the time Paul writes Romans and talks about how the church at Rome had had did exactly what the guys in Jerusalem had done. That's right. Uh, you know, gives to us an example, and then he challenges later at Philippi. And what's so strange is that, you know, Philipp, Philippians is one of the most ironic books in the world because when you think about when Paul wrote it, okay, he writes it from prison. Yes. I don't mean to digress, but uh, he writes mainly about joy. You know, he did. rejoice again in the... How can you write about joy and have rejoicing when you're sitting in prison? But I go to the book of Acts chapter 16 when he actually goes through Philippi and he meets Lydia and he takes away the woman who had the demon who's who was making people money and right. she's saved and they, those people lose their money and then they, they beat Paul with rods and he ends up in the Philippian jail. Yeah. And out of that Philippian jail, he and his partner, they cry at midnight and they're released and there's where the jailer got saved, saved. you know, and there's the question that comes in the Bible, what must I do to be saved? The only time it comes, you know, and it's much like Romans ten thirteen, believe on the Lord mm -hmm. Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. That's right. And it was out of that, everything that he had connected that happened to Paul at Philippi was negative. There was nothing good really that happened to him personally. Right. But the best thing that happened was it was out of that him breaking out of jail. Actually, I think that the church got started. I have to believe that those people mentioned in that second, that 16th chapter of Acts were probably the founding members, or as we say in the modern church, the charter members of that local body, you know, yeah. but, and I bring it all back to the sacrifice. Paul sacrificed personally, uh, you know, and his, even to his own health, his own well-being. And this, Philippi was not the only place that that happened. We know it happened over and over and over right. and over again. But what an example him that he was himself right. when he's, he would later write to those people about what they needed, how they needed to treat one another, and 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 have we talked about the Romans and the other church in Jerusalem did, but Paul was himself a walking example of mass sacrifice, you might say, and meaning by mass sacrifice, as his whole life after saved was just one long sacrifice for Christ, in in and showing the love as we come back to the full circle, he was showing that love that yeah. Jesus had shown him. Uh, on the road to Damascus, right? right? He couldn't help but embody. <laughs> right. Like he couldn't help God himself. Is. Right. Yeah, he couldn't help right. himself. Right, because he was filled with the love of Christ, right? Right, yeah. And that's 
That's a, it's it's an amazing amazing picture. I mean, I think you know we go we go we go back to uh, that love that word that we see um, in the Greek. It's agape. I know there's different other forms of that love word uh, in in the uh, original languages, but uh, that agape is that sacrificial love right. without without any um, prerequisite, basically, yeah. you know, and that's what God did for us, you know, even in sending Jesus, it, it had nothing to do with anything that we deserve because what we really deserve is hell. Right. Well, let's come back to John three six saying we kind of started there right yeah. there. Agape love, as you describe it, it is. I've always used this when people say I've heard preachers use that term agape. Uh, what does that mean? And I always, that's where I take them. But I know you might find that funny, but I no, always take them to John three sixteen because that is the, it, it is God showing his love and it's that action of giving. Yeah. And you know what sacrifice is, is self-giving. That's right. And that's what Paul did all his life. And that's what we're to do yes. is a constant action. It's not just, I love you, the emotion. I love you, the feeling. But it's through that showing, the actual giving of ourselves right. uh, for others, to others, for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of God, we might say, mm-hmm. uh, to spread that love to, to to everybody. To everybody. You know, and that's kind of why we're here. You yeah. know, but I think that's that to give that to give to me is kind of like the. That's the action of love. If I had to boil it all down and squeeze it out, it's a lot of things. But one thing it constantly is, is that it gives. Now, what it gives and how it gives is a multifaceted discussion. But I think the crux of it is is that it gives. That's right. And it only gives selflessly. It never gives to receive. It never gives for approval or applause or accomplishment. Right. It always gives of itself period right you know and, and that's uh, going back to paul again that's what he was saying when he wrote in first corinthians chapter 13 that love is patient love is kind it does not envy it does not boast that are though all those all those words that we think of is usually what we see in the physical realm of somebody exhibiting love to us right right is there's always a catch to why we why why we're doing things out of love for somebody Right. If we're not careful. That's true. You know, and if we if we don't if we don't remember that why remember why we are doing the loving or the agape or the sacrificial things, then we we're truly not doing we're not doing it the right way. We're not loving the right way. Right. Right. We 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 learn to give as human beings or as children. Right. We learn to give, unfortunately, with the expectation of being reciprocated for it, with something right. coming back to us. Yes. We learn that to the fault of I'm giving because I'm expecting something back, yeah. or I'm giving to earn somebody's good graces, or I'm giving so that that which comes back to me, I'll be better off than I was before I gave. Right. And that is so opposite, as you're trying to point to there, it's so opposite of that love, yeah. which is of God, which is none of the kind. I think of a I think of a business term in that in that kind of sense. You know, um, uh, you've heard the term quid pro quo. Yes, 
And you know what that that means is this for that. Right, right. That's that's how that's how we embody that's how our fleshly, our human nature embodies I think love is a quid pro quo, quo agreement. That's a good You give me this and I'll give you that. Right, right. And, and that is not that's not what God's love is. No. That's not what that's not what our love should be towards one another. I'm glad God wasn't a lawyer. Me too. I'm glad God was a lover of the souls of men. Yes, me you too. Know, and uh, yeah, but wow, that's a, that's such a good point. Yeah, you know we we uh, we've heard that phraseology you know shoved down our throats here in the political realm, but it really helps bring out that point in the opposite of juxtaposing that with the way that God loves us. Right. God loved us, but he wasn't expecting to get anything out of it. He didn't love us because he could gain anything no. from it. Because what what could we give him? Or second, what could we do for him? And we right. answered that question at the beginning of this conversation. Nothing. Nothing. No. Absolutely nothing. All we can do is accept it or reject it. Yeah. And so... Uh, I've enjoyed this conversation about God's love. Me too. We'll have some other other ones about that, but uh, I guess I have to end the conversation and just say praise the Lord that God loved all of us. And and personally, I'm thankful that God loved me. Amen. And that. And so uh, join us for our next conversation, which will be about faith. We keep things here on the real simplistic uh, talking terms. And uh, we're not going to have big openers or big closers. We're just going to talk, and when we're done, we're going to uh, we're going to stop talking. I guess would be the right thing to do. So. Thanks for listening to part two of Is God Love? And join us next Friday for What Is Faith? Part one here on Noah's Netter, your podcast for casual Christian conversation.